All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 183 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. Uh, we're recording a little bit later because I actually slept in uh, this morning. Set That's my alarm fine. wrong. I know it should be, but honestly, Frank, like I never, like, even like I set my alarm, usually I'm awake before it. I couldn't believe it, but I've started taking, cause I haven't been sleeping great. And so my wife's really into health stuff. And so she's got me on a few of these, uh, like magnesium I take now at night because they say a lot of us have a shortage of magnesium and that impacts our sleep rhythm. Do you do the magnesium spray on your feet? No, no. I just take a pill and uh, uh, they I mean, do that, that. My wife is into that. She sprays huh. my feet with magnesium. Really? So I've been taking that. That's how you absorb it. And zinc. And um, I don't even know what the other one's called, but I've been taking it now. It says it would take about three weeks. And honestly, the last few days, like I have slept like a champ. Like it's been unreal. So um, I, I, I set my alarm for PM, which was dumb, but usually I would, I would wake before. And like, I slept till eight o'clock this morning. Like that's, man, that's like teenage years for me. When you used to sleep till noon, it was unreal. You know what's enabled me to sleep like a champ in January? No booze. That's right. Dry January can be scary. I wanted to let you know that episode 183 is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. As I said, dry January can be scary, especially in a long, dark winter. This year, it's simple. Athletic Brewing has everything you need with their lineup of non-alcoholic craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. I'm on day six. It's January 6th. And just the other night, I was at the Sixers game at Wells Fargo Center, took my kids down. 
I cracked open an athletic brewing. They sell it at the game at Wells Fargo Center. The perfect way to stay dry in dry January. Didn't skip beat. These beers are truly a game changer. Don't believe me? Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st and give dry a try. Better yet, snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew this dry January and tag at Daily Faceoff for a chance to win a signed jersey. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all faceoffs, fit for all times. Nice. It is true though, because it becomes a mindset. You just like to have something when you're, when, if you're drinking at a game. So whether it's got alcohol in it or not, it, you don't feel any different, but you just feel better the next day. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but I felt really good about driving my kids home after the game. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. Now, Frank, it came out now. I People are going to say, well, the all-star games for the kids. Yeah. I understand that, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. The NHL's archaic reasoning that every team needs to be represented. Oh, it come doesn't. on. We're going to, are we going to feign outrage over this? No, it's not feign. It's ridi- like, think about it. You're, are you're you ridiculously, the- you're like, you really are t- like, you're twisted about this. I'm twisted because to me, what promotes your league are your best players. Your best players promote your league. That's what people, people can be fans in whatever city, but they're like, I like watching McDavid. I like watching Matthews. I like watching Ovechkin, Crosby, go down the list. So you have your, your reigning art trophy, Hart, Art Raw. He's got to get voted in, maybe. You've got the second leading score, the fifth leading score, the seventh leading score, the eighth, the ninth, and none of them are in. And I just don't, like, tell me why you need every team represented. Like, I just don't get it. It's not an all-star game. So here's the thing. So Austin Matthews, as you mentioned, reigning Hart Trophy winner, he was not selected by the NHL's Hockey Operations Department because he hasn't earned it. William Nylander is leading the Toronto Maple Leafs in goals. Sure. Austin Matthews is on pace for 39 or 40 goals this season. He's had a down year that... No one is really talking about because the Leafs just keep winning. And then you're going to hear all this talk. And we had Matt Larkin on Daily Faceoff Live earlier today. And he was giving me the whole, well, he's really been a complete player this season. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But his next contract, he's going to be talking about the 60-goal season that he had, not the 40-goal season. That's what you get paid for. Sure. And and here's the wacky thing about All-Star Weekend is Austin Matthews, now he wasn't selected. I'm not speaking for him, and I don't know what his, his schedule is like. But I bet he's sitting there praying that he doesn't get voted in by the Toronto Maple Leafs fans because he probably just wants a break. Yeah, but and that's the exact problem. The NBA has made their all-star game where it's an honor to go because it's only the best of the best. Right now, it isn't the best of the best. It's a participation ribbon. If you want to have participation ribbons in minor hockey, knock your socks. Does the off. NBA not select all one player from every team? No, not even close. Not close at all. Yeah, they never have. They select the best players. Now, um, they also, they bring in guys like a, a, a Trevor Zegras. He, they have their slam dunk competition, Frank. Trevor Zegras would come in for the, for the um, skills competition because he's maybe the best guy on breakaways, right? Like, it'd be a no-brainer. So they bring in guys to do the dunk competition who aren't in the all-star game themselves they're not the true all-stars but they still get to be there so if you want to have guys from other teams frank in the skills competition knock your socks off then there's a way to have them involved in the weekend but the actual all-star game is about the best players and matthews well he might be having quoted down here he's still 15th in scoring 
right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like he's terrible. That's my point. But, it, it, but to your point, it, based on name recognition and cachet alone as, you know, arguably the second biggest star in the league after Connor McDavid, that he would be the guy that would be there as an automatic. Like, the fact that he wasn't selected even with that being 15th in the league in scoring is kind of a weird flex by the NHL's hockey ops department. Yeah, but he was only not selected, Frank, because they have to have one from every team. That's the only reason he wasn't selected. But that's not really. Like, you could have easily said instead of Mitch Marner that Austin Matthews is the guy. Yeah, sure. That's not really the only reason he wasn't selected. But but uh, keep in mind, though, there's only now three spots open, right? And they're doing the fan vote, whatever. And it gets so that's your way to get your fans involved. If you want them involved, have the fan vote. But I just to me, I would rather have the best players in the game. And then you can you can fill out the skills competition because there there might be some guys who can, you know, like slam dunk, shoot the uh, the skills competition. You can mix in those guys and no one would be offended by it because that's what the NBA does. You watch the NBA guys are on the sidelines. They're hyping up the dunk competition. You know, LeBron James is always there. Steph Curry's always there. And now Curry's in the three-point shooting competition. But you rarely have your big stars in the dunk competition. And it's still, people still watch it because it's entertaining. But I just think that they've watered down now with 32 teams, the all-star game. And to, to the point where it's not re- remotely resembling because dry saddles, the second leading score in the league, Frank, are you telling me he shouldn't be there? There's no reason he shouldn't be there. He's got to get voted in Pasternak, um, Rantanen. I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. A- I, I don't care. Yeah, that, that's fair. I don't, that I just don't mean that it's not right. I, I, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't register. It doesn't matter. The weekend doesn't matter. It's become a non-entity. It's purely for, Corporate partners and, you know, kids watching. That's it. Yeah, but and you could make, if you make it a bigger deal, more people would watch. Right now, a lot of people are like, well, it's not really an all-star game. I hate agreeing with John Tortorella. It just doesn't matter. So to to get worked up and say that it's not right, I, I just don't care. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you can make it matter because look at the NBA players when they get selected and they know it's the best of the best. It's a massive honor to be an all-star. Right now, sadly, it isn't in the NHL. And that's that's why when we talk about players that retire and or are Hall of Fame candidates, I do not talk about all-star. Of course. It's not about seven-time all-star. For me, it's about end-of-season all-stars, and that's all that matters for the Hall of Fame debate was the fact that Austin Matthews last year was a first-team all-star at the center position. That's what matters. He was one of the two best players yeah, I just which league right now, Frank, is ahead in marketing. It's not even close. And guess yeah. what? I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not pat. Just so you know, I'm not patting the NHL on the back and saying this is good. I'm just telling you that I don't care, so I'm not going to get worked up about it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I but just want I, to- it's a, it's it's classic. I think it's kind of classic NHL. It's it's it. This league, business wise, is so complacent that it's scary. And I I sent this to a few friends today in the business. There was a a graphic that came out from Sportico and it it said in the calendar year of 2022, they had the the top 100 most watched television broadcasts of 2022 and football had 78 of the top 100 US TV broadcasts. There were five in the world of politics, which is interesting in 2022 being an election year. There was one that was the Academy Awards. 
the Winter Olympics got one that was the 36th most, most watched. There was a few college basketball, the Kentucky Derby, and four from the World Cup. 78 of the top 100 most watched US TV broadcasts were from the NFL. Yeah. I also wonder how much that has to do with supply and demand, right? You yeah, wait but, all but like week what I'm saying is game. that's not my point is not football. No. My point is the fact that the World Cup had four. There's not a single hockey in the top 100, no shock. But guess what? I'm telling you this because it's 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 fact and reality is that the MLS is coming for the NHL as the yes. fourth biggest pro sport in the US. 100%. So be, especially with work. the World Cup coming in 2026 to North America, Canada, US and Mexico, that sport is only going to continue to grow in an enormous way and others like F1 and you've made this point previously have found a way to make themselves relevant in the digital and social media age. And the NHL is lagging far, far behind and seems to be a lot of backslapping and very happy people at being a five and a half billion dollar league when it could be so much more. And, and, and a small thing, Frank, would be making your all star so marquee that the best of the best are there and the players are talking about it because it's an honor. When you have players not wanting to go, it illustrates right there that, of course, no one else should take it serious if your own players don't take it serious. I, I just have to try hard, but just show up for the weekend. And, and are you telling me like the corporate people, if you're a corporate guy, you'd rather still rub shoulders with all the best players in the game, not just an equal representative from each team. And I, I just think they've done nice things uh, to try and be creative at all-star weekend. Um, whether it was going outside last year on the Vegas strip to do the skills competition. And apparently they're going to be doing stuff on the beach this year. Um, and I like that they're getting more fan engagement and involvement with the vote to, to purely determine, especially on, on Twitter. I wonder what kind of wacky, uh, you know, team votes we're going to end up having. I've, I've seen a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans campaigning already for Arbor Jackeye, for instance, does he end up making his way to, to South Florida? But think about it from a fan perspective. Let's say you went to Vegas last year and you went to the skills competition on, on Friday night. And that, that skills scene itself, first off, was actually taped the day prior on the strip. So while they were, quote, playing the skills part of the broadcast, it was actually just on tape. And everyone in the arena was just sitting there on their hands for 20 some minutes while this was all going on yeah so again who wants can... to how, how fun is that yeah you come and to the to the rink and you, you watch it on 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 the big screen like what i will say my one caveat frank that i would do is i would ensure whoever the host team is they have a player in i think that's important it's the one team that would be they my always one end up with like four yeah, sure. But I would make sure it's at least one. If we got to best on best and one year it's a team that doesn't have a real dynamic player, I would ensure that their leading guy or their most fan favorite guy was involved. That's I think category. especially it, at a time when this league is so starved for best on best competition, I see no reason why you couldn't pick the best eight Canadians, the best eight Americans, the best eight Finns, the best eight Swedes, the best eight Russians, if you want to include them and do a mini three-on-three tournament that way. Sure. yeah. They and talked about being, the being, bringing it more international flavor, 
why isn't this the year, especially in all years when you should have had the 2022 Olympics in Beijing, you should have had the 2024 World Cup of Hockey to do this like division by division, three on three donkey tournament again. Like I just like, who cares? Hey, I love it. You're getting fired up, Frank. I'm getting you to care. That's I don't, great. I don't care. care. I'm just telling you, I don't <laughs> care. I And, and uh, whatever. I've been to enough to just yawn. Yeah. Now, um, double IHF uh, came out and said, hey, we want to know if the NHL is going to the Olympics in 2026. Do you think the NHL will give them an answer? Not until they absolutely have to. Yeah. That's not their style. And as I've mentioned previously, the NHL wants to know who they're getting in bed with in terms of the next executive director of the NHLPA before doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and um, speaking of IHF and President Luke Tardif, a little bit cringy. Uh, his speech on the ice after Team Canada took home the gold medal on Thursday night in a thrilling game in Halifax, OT winner. Um, it was an awesome game. But his one quote, and I'm not taking it out of context or nitpicking or anything like that, because he also said something very similar on the TSN broadcast, which was that going to Halifax and Moncton and all of the great crowds that they had there was, quote, the best medicine for Hockey Canada. I'm sorry, but having awesome hockey being played in thrilling games with great entertainment value and in a cool venue in the Maritimes, that does not paper over all of the shit that Hockey Canada has done over the last year plus relating to the 2018 sexual assault. That's not medicine. I'm sorry. Don't insult no. our intelligence. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, speaking of the on ice, though, the U.S. Sweden semifinal game was absolutely bonkers. That's one of the most entertaining. The bronze games medal game, you mean? I've seen. Yeah, the bronze medal game was awesome. The gold medal game, they both go to overtime. Like you couldn't have asked for more. Like for Czechia, who really hasn't been a contender at the World Juniors in years. You know, this at is any good- level. Yes, I think it's a good sign for them that maybe they're coming back in, which which is great. Slovakia had a had a good tournament, you know, and this was without Russia, right? So you, you assume that Russia, whenever they come back in, that you know that, that they'll be good. Uh, hopefully, like obviously, you'd, you'd love to get rid of their leader in their country, but that's uh, you know another story for another day. But I, when, I when, really when, when is it appropriate for them to come back in? By the way, that's a really good question, man. Like, like let's say let's say the war ends and they they stop their assault and advance um, on, on sovereign land that should have never happened to begin with. Do we just go back to forgetting that it even happened? It's a good I question don't think that's right. Do you, do you punish the players who, but then who, why would you be punishing them now who technically don't really have anything to do with it? Yeah. Fair point. I, I probably optically, right. Because, well, you know, that, um, you know, I, th- I think they were hoping that by somehow punishing that that would make, you know, Putin change his mind. And obviously he, he's not going to. So, um, yeah, NHL has had an incredibly soft stance on this to this point. Not only did they shield the Russian players from having to even answer questions about it, um, which I, I understand that they're not all involved, but others that are that have still have Vladimir Putin on their profile picture have had to answer for very little. It's been it's been not allowed to ask questions essentially since then, off limits. And there's certainly some sympathizers that exist uh, within NHL circles from Russia that truly have bought in and are brainwashed. And 
I just don't know how, I don't know what the appropriate answer is. All I know is that the NHL not willing to make any sort of statement in holding the 2020 for a world cup of hockey said a lot to me in and of itself. Yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't like basically I said, well, we won't do it without Russia. Like to me, that's, that's, it's, that's what they said essentially without saying so. Yes, exactly. And I, I would agree with you. I, I don't, that, that's a terrible stance. It's in, a weenie answer. Yeah. Terrible stance. So the world juniors just showed you that you can have a great tournament without them. And I, I didn't hear anyone crying from Russia. Did you? Nope, not at all. So they seem to be a uh, focus on something else uh, right now. Frank, uh, here we are. We're now officially less than two months away from NHL uh, trade deadline. 57 days. 57 days. I know because I have a countdown going on dailyfaceoff.com and I'm writing a story each and every day leading up to the deadline. So I've got my hands full. I haven't written six days a week since uh, I worked for the newspaper. Yeah, fun times, buddy. Fun times. And it's, uh, you know, you look at as it goes along, like there, there's so many intriguing parts this year, but the fact that there's so many teams in LTIR, I know, and we've talked about it, this is not new, that, uh, you know, the third party is going to maybe be the story of, of trade deadline. But I wonder, you know, historically, teams will wait. And because of LTI, I've, you know, I don't know if maybe that changes because they're like, well, we're in LTI anyway. That's not going to change whether it's March 1st. I agree. I've been saying that, that it doesn't yeah. matter. So I, I'm, my ask is, do you think we see some teams maybe move quicker than usual because of that? I think some urgency has heightened. Um, I think a team like the Oilers and, and sort of the malaise that they've been in for a while now um, heightens some intensity or urgency. I listened to a coach in Jared Bednar say earlier this week that um, I hope we're not relying on the success that we had last year. And, and look, I know that they have pieces out, but you end up with you know some of the games played this week, a, a 4-2 loss to the Canucks who have been awful. I like. Do you have some concern if you're Chris McFarland, the first-year GM of the Avs, you inherit this Stanley Cup-winning roster? That's so good. You're you're, you know, beset with injuries almost all season long, not just in quantity, but quality of players gone. You're hamstrung with the cap because you're not able to do a lot more. You're not accruing cap space and you're you're not going to be. Do you then hasten your plan a bit to then rather than wait until March 3rd, see if you can get some business done early and get that second line center you need? I wonder. I, I would. I would say so. I, I think it's been proven historically that you get guys in and, and they have longer term, longer time to adapt to their new team. That it, that it works out better. So it's it's something I would definitely look at. I wonder if if the teams that are moving those players does their asking price right. Like I think that's probably the issue, right? They look, and I think you have to be realistic. Do I think I can get this on February first? Am I really going to get that much more than on March first? Honestly. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a great question. And I don't think the teams that pay ahead of time to get business done, I don't think they end up paying any more in the long run. I agree. So people always wait thinking, well, if we wait till the last minute, we'll get more. Nah, I don't, I, sometimes I think it might be the opposite. I don't think, I don't think that's why it doesn't get done. I think it doesn't get done because I, I don't know how to say this in a nicer way than I think NHL GMs are afraid. A lot of them. Yeah. Well, I think and the they need thing, a deadline to push them to where they need to get to. Yeah. And then I wonder if 
there are some owners that say, I don't want to pay six weeks of some guy's contract now that I'm not paying because I don't, you know, it's such a limited time. I I just, I, in the grand scheme of your season and your budget, like, what are we really talking about? Yeah, I agree with you, but you never know. Some guys, an extra, an extra 30 days or 40 days. It's the season's 185 in terms of pay. You're talking about a 25% increase. I mean, depends how much the player is making, but it's I, in the grand scheme of your budget, it's not a ton. Who is your, who's your most in not, not who's obvious. Cause I think we could easily pick who's the obvious guys to get traded, but who's your most interesting player to watch to see who gets traded. Probably Patrick Kane. Yeah. And it's, it's because not just because of his career and what he's meant to Chicago and, what he's delivered. I think that there's some real caution or hesitancy. There's a lot going on behind the scenes with Patrick Kane that it's not that simple. And, and the reason for that is he's very closely connected to everything that he does in Chicago. His girlfriend is from there. His family has all moved there from Buffalo, his, his parents. His dad's at practice and morning skates. He goes to a ton of road games. Um, and he's, I, think he's, I think he's more concerned about his legacy in Chicago ultimately than Jonathan Taves. And I'd be real curious to see how he handles this, just also from an emotional standpoint. You know, you're leaving a team where you your your jersey's gonna hang in the rafters no matter what, but you've achieved a ton of success there. What happens if the Hawks go out and win the draft lottery? They're in the, the driver's seat now, and the the torch can be passed from Taves to Connor Bedard in the middle, and that's the guy you could play with for the next however many years to finish out your career. I just think there's some hesitancy, and I don't like I think it's more likely that. Jonathan Taves gets moved than Patrick Kane. I think Kane is really a coin flip, but I don't know. I that's the guy I'm intrigued about. That's the guy I'm curious about. Like if he was, you know, you bring up some valid points, and and if he was interested, would he, would he be interested at all in just going somewhere else and then resigning in Chicago if they win the lottery, right? And then taking a few months to see, hey, maybe they'll go to free agency and they'll add this guy and they'll add that guy. Like who knows. Who's the last guy that did that? I know it's rare. Um, I just think once you rip the Brooks band-aid Orpik, off, I guess, right? All, when well, they, yeah. they traded his rights. He got bought out and then he resigned. Yeah. That was like a little weird in general. Well, smart is what it was. I guess. I mean, there was a lot of hand wringing over that about <laughs> whether or not that was kosher. Um, yeah. I, I, Maybe like, yeah, I, I agree. Think once, little, I think once off. the bandaid is off, it's off. Like you're, yeah. you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Once you leave and go somewhere else, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Hey, maybe this isn't bad. Right. Cause maybe I, this I think isn't as weird as I thought it was. You don't know what you don't know. And until you experience it, right. That's what happens to a lot of players is they think the place they're at is great. And I understand why, especially Kane. They said, you know, very few guys have had that as much success as he has in that city. And Chicago is an unbelievable city. Uh, to live in there's so much to do outside of hockey but maybe all of a sudden he gets somewhere else and he's like oh geez this organization wow this is good and there's lots going on here and i do like it so you never know so there's always that risk i get it but 
Um, he is, that's a good name because I think Patrick Kane, I just think if a team acquires him, he would be so, I think reignited because he's going to go to a team that's suddenly competitive. And Patrick Kane historically has been dynamite in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I would say there's some really intriguing players as a whole. Like it's not just Bo Horvat and the impact that he could make with the, all the pile of goals that he scored. Like Timo Meyer is having his best season of his career. Like that guy is an awesome player. Like, but he's got a really con complex contract situation with the qualifying offer that's due and 10 million. He's not a $10 million player. No, but I think for Meyer, it comes down to any team that wants to acquire him. It's like, I think I honestly think I give him credit, him and his agent putting that qualifying offer basically means he gets to go to free agency earlier. It's essentially what that was. Right. Cause like, are the, now the sharks could agree. It's and the only penalty him. for the bridge deal is what it is. It's yeah. like, if you, if you are a player and you don't want to get bridged, that's the only leverage you have is to structure the contract in a way that eventually makes the team pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Cause you didn't get the long-term security of a major contract extension. Yeah. And I just, I look at the sharks and if they're going to sign Meyer, like, how they you know what what money what direction are they going i don't i don't see it like i'm if if i had to put odds on it i think it's like a 90 percent chance that timo meyer gets traded yeah and they're gonna have to hope that and i don't think they want draft picks unless they want to go complete rebuild i think they'd rather get some guys who are at least one or two prospects that are a little further advanced don't you think they have to go complete rebuild Oh, I do. I honestly think they do, Frank. I'm not sure the organization believes they do. I think there's been a change. I think there's been a realization that when Mike Greer was hired and they went through the hiring process that there was this, hey, let's see if we can do it. And I think there's a realization that this is going to be four straight years of mm-hmm. of in draft lottery territory. You got it. You got to mix it up. Like you, you're not winning with the guys you have. Like who's the core piece that you're going to keep? Obviously, they've got Hurdle on that long-term deal. Carlson's deal may not be tradable. We've talked about that ad nauseum, and he's having an all-world season. Oh yeah, I mean that's I, um, with Carlson having an all-world season and Timo Meyer having the best season of his career. Like, how do you not make the argument that this team needs to make the argument that this team doesn't need to tear it down? Yeah. Well, Frank, remember that the, they missed the playoffs last year, but they didn't, they had given up their first round pick. So, you know, they didn't pick till what, 27th? I think Furthers it was the pain with Bystead. And, you know, William Eklund right now is, is developing very slowly. He was their top. They haven't, they've only had, it's funny. You've mentioned that they missed the playoffs all those years. They've only had one pick in the, in the top 25. And that was Eklund in 21. Right, because uh, their their pick in in twenty twenty was Ozzy Weisblatt at thirty first, and they had traded mm-hmm. down. So um, they really haven't started. And their twenty eighteen first round pick, as I reported this week, Ryan Markley has asked for a trade. Yes, and they haven't they haven't even really begun the rebuild in the sense of a true rebuild because they don't have the high end prospects to think. Okay, these are the guys that are going to lead us the next few years. That's why they need to do kind of what Chicago did last year. Yeah, They got three. Like, I love the way Chicago is doing it. Like, they just said, F it. Like, we're going and we're diving to the very bottom of the barrel. And we're going to do it. And we're going to try and do it as fast as we can. But by doing it methodically and the right way, which is exactly what they did last summer. 
They had three first round picks and they yeah. used all of them. Mm-hmm. And this well, the, year they're going to have even, they might have more depending on what happens with Kane and Taves and Domi and Athanasiu. And like they, they could be in a spot to really have a ton of first round picks again. And what a lot of people claim is the deepest draft in however many years. Which I, I wonder are teams hesitant then to want to trade there? Like, is this, is this the worst year for the Sharks to try to do it? Because other teams are like, man, I'm going to hold on. Okay, so the Blackhawks already have two first-round picks, theirs and the Lightning that they got from the Brandon Hagel trade. How yeah. many do they end up with? Kane's got to get a first, right? Well, Kane would get you a first. I don't think Taves gets you a first. Okay, so let's say Taves doesn't, and part of it is the contract and all that's going to have to happen with that. But, but like Domi, would. Domi's probably going to get them a second, right? Like Domi's had a really good year. Yeah, he he's should. got twenty five points in thirty seven games, and he has some flexibility in your lineup. Can play center or the wing. Athanasiu flies. I know Ken Holland gave up two seconds for him a couple years ago. Yeah, that won't be happening now. It won't be a second, but no. It's probably going to be pretty get, decent. They could get a first, right? Then there's McCabe that they might deal on the back end. I don't think he gets you a first, but I, I think they could get a few more picks, yes. And if they if they deal Kane, I think that's the one guy that could get him another first. So they could have like potentially five of the first 45 picks. Like that's a team on its way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is for sure. But you know, and the Sharks aren't close to that because other than Meyer, you mentioned if you can't move Carlson, who do they have that can move to get them any picks? That's their other. Problem. They've got a bunch of veteran depth pieces. Like I'm sure someone will take Nick ben- Nick Benino off your hands. I'm sure someone will take Matt, Matt Nieto. Nieto. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, James Reimer. If someone needs a goalie, like he, even though he's this is the first season of his career under 900, um, there there is. Ways Just to, not first, I meant, right? Yeah, like, Tim no, Meyer's the no. only guy that could get you a first. And here's the thing is, there's a lot of teams that already have already traded their first for this year. Yeah. That's the thing. So let's go through the list. Um, Florida traded their first to Montreal for Ben Sherratt. That was Tampa's not lottery protected. Tampa's traded theirs, as we mentioned. That was for Hagel. And the Stars traded theirs for Nils Lundqvist. So that's yeah. three. Yeah, and all those teams are are teams that you think are going to the playoffs. So that kind of that leaves maybe what fifteen or sixteen others because there's a few teams like, like if you're on the bubble, I don't think you're going to want to trade a first rounder. I could be wrong, but um, I, I don't think you would. That would be a pretty big risk if it doesn't work, and then you miss the playoffs. And you but I think Colorado's they're they're probably technically going to be on the bubble, but they're going to probably trade their first. Yeah, well, they're kind of the exception. I so so Colorado. Let's let's run through the teams that might trade a first. I'm going to say Colorado is one. Edmonton is two. Calgary is a potential trade your first round pick, but I'm not going to say definite. Vegas? I'm going to to say Vegas is three. Boston is four. Toronto is five. And I'm going to say... The Washington Capitals likely also. What about the Canes? The Canes, I'm not, I mean, I think they probably will, but I just, they're not big spenders. Like their GM, Don Waddell, was on with uh, Jeff Barrick this week and mentioned, like, I don't see us straying like far from our philosophy, which is don't go all in. Yeah. 
Wow. But those, uh, I mean, that could be another six, seven, eight first round picks on the move. Which yeah, like Vegas is the intriguing of- one because they've already traded their second, right? Um, although that's an organization that's never really worried too far down the road and it's worked for them, right? Like they've been consistent. Uh, uh, you well, know, we talked for about now, this. but the, yeah. there is well, you're right for now. Pay, they're going to have to pay the Piper. You would think so at some point, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they've, they've managed to always find ways to just be like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And um, I swear I'm going to write the story someday that really does an in-depth look at which teams have hit on picks from rounds two through seven. Because if you can do that, which I think Tampa has sort of been the model under under Al Murray as their director. Well, yeah, they got two superstars, right? Kucher off and point. Yeah, that's not even the guys I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, the Perbixes and the Palat is one, but also like Ross Colton. Like you continue to find fourth and fifth round and sixth round players like you're laughing. And that's been one of the big things that Tampa has done is they've been trading their first, but they've been stockpiling other picks in other rounds to try and get as many bullets in the chamber as possible. Oh, well, hey, to me, I can't overlook point. He was a third round pick and the guy's like an elite player. Right, Kucherov. Yeah, that was just rounder. a scouting. That was a scouting fuck up. Oh, I remember at the draft, teams. Frank. I was yelling. I'm like, "Why is Braden Point at 91 points not being drafted here?" I didn't understand it. It was terrible. I, I, I said it before. You can find my tweet. I said Seth Jarvis is the this year's WHL version of Braden Point. Same agent, by the way. Um, like, yeah, look not at as what Seth as Jarvis has done in Carolina. Yeah, he's a good player. He, he's a he's a later first round pick that it was like. This is the same scouting biasy happening again in real time for everyone to watch that people and scouts measure with tape measures instead of actually scouting the player. Like how, well, how Jarvis much- went 13th, right? Right in front of, yeah, he went 13th, I think. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like he, based on what we knew about Braden point and how damn similar oh, the yeah. players were, he should have gone higher than that. Oh, for sure. And Cole Caulfield, where did he go? 16th. 15th 15th. or 16th like same thing everyone was saying look at the way this guy scores goals the guy is an animal 44 goals as a u17 player for the u.s national development program in 40 games he's a beast the 18 he had 72 goals u18 year 72 and 64 and he went 15th because everyone was so concerned about him being five foot seven Yeah, well, I've talked to lots of scouts about it, and um, you know, they still, you know, some have gotten over it. I think we're we're seeing the influx of scoring. And you're like, I don't care the size anymore of guys who can score. Like Alex DeBrincat would be another one, right? He slipped out of the first round, went to the second. The guy. This was 2019. This was three years ago, four draft yeah. years ago. Oh, I know. Well, DeBrincat isn't much further than that. So, yeah, it'll always happen. I think sometimes, just like you get some guys that are drafted early that, that, that peak at 18, right? Like it's such a, it's still a crapshoot, man. You're drafting basically guys off of their 17 year old season, right? 17 year old. They're not even adults in a lot of the cases. And you're like, well, we, that's a tough gig. It's a amateur scouts like Murray that you mentioned in Tampa that can continually find players. That is a massive skill. And those guys, uh, you run an organization, that guy should be uh, near the top of your payroll because he is the foundation of your organization. It's just the facts, right? And he did it. When you do it once, Frank, it's like, okay, get a little bit lucky. But when you do it year after year after year, 
you're like, Hey, there's something to this. And, and, um, you know, Tampa's amateur scouting is the main reason why they went to three consecutive Stanley cup finals, make no mistake about it. And it'd be a dominant team because they built within the draft. And as you mentioned, wasn't just first rounders. It was a lot of cases, second, third, fourth, all the way to seventh rounders that made the big difference for them. So no question. And I just, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. I think they're the model sort of, uh, franchise for how they go about doing things. And they ended up getting back into the first round last year anyway, after, uh, obviously the Hagel trade was, uh, for 2023 and 2024, but look at their picks third, third, fifth, sixth, seventh, seventh. Like they're trying to get as many kicks at the can as possible when everyone else is snoozing at their table saying, Oh, sixth and seventh round picks. Like they had three seventh round picks a couple years ago. Like they're they're trying to make do with what they can in a year when they're chasing Stanley Cups to just find a diamond in the rough here or there where everyone else is discounting them. For sure. Now, before we go, I want to get to uh, some things to watch for uh, this week. Brought to you by Montana's. Uh, this season, Montana's is bringing back the viewing party with their lineup of daily deals. You can check out the full lineup at montanas.ca. Ribs, oh. steak, chicken wings, they have it all. And the majority of their food is smoked, prepared, grilled in-house. Certified Smoke Masters and Grill Masters program. Get it at Montana's. And some uh, some things to watch for. Uh, All you can eat ribs on Wednesday. Are you kidding me? Sign me up. Yeah. You big rib guy. Love ribs and the half price wings on Monday. Like, come on. Half price wings is uh, like, it doesn't matter um, at what age you are. Once you start eating wings, it's like a a lifetime commitment that you never get sick of. Like I've never gotten sick. My, my eight year old, he started eating wings when he was four. It's so true. That's funny. You said that like loves wings. We like, mm-hmm. we go out and like, sometimes that's all he gets for dinner. I just want wings. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's great. Um, a few things to, to watch for. By the way, you know, oh, sorry, before I, not to cut you off again, drumstick or flats. Very no, I'm more question. of a flat guy, actually. Oh, I only like flats. And if I could order just flats, I don't want to be that guy that comes in and is like, Hey, can I have an order of wings? But flats only like that would be me. You know what's funny though? Actually, I'm a big fan of like. Uh, there's a place here, boneless chicken wings. I'm huge on those. I know yeah, that the people just, say they're kind of like they're, nuggets, they're but I love them. I, I just find the sauce like I, I don't know. I like them better. So, um, are are you adventurous with your sauces? Like I'm, I'm pretty stick to like you got to go traditional, and I like either mild or hot. Like I'm not into the like the honey barbecue or whatever else you might get the lemon now. pepper garlic. Like no, you just- I, I I don't mind salt and I, I like salt and pepper. I like that. I find salt and pepper the easiest ones because if you're eating them with your hands, like you don't even have anything on it, right? So that's good. I don't like barbecue; it's too slimy for me but uh hot wings as long as it's not suicide like i respect the people who can have the suicide wings like i have a soft mouth man i can't do it like you know i'm breathing fire you know what uh, you're you're taking it in hot and then it's coming out hotter that's not good so i'm uh i'm definitely more of a just a like frank's red hot it's not that hot but that's that's kind of the temperature i like yeah i'm in, I'm in on that all right sorry i interrupted you what's to watch for i know it's all good but things to uh to watch for Conor mcdavid just had his uh 500th assist uh frank and and I was for fun, uh, as you know, I love looking up uh, different. Statistics. I was going to say you're the only person that would find this fun, but sure, go ahead. <laughs> no, well, it's always good to look and say like what what's plot like what's realistic, right? Okay. For players, and so like obviously you know Gretzky's 1900 assists, no one's ever doing it. But Ron Francis is currently second all time in assists with 1249. 
all time in the NHL history. I would and say I that is a slam dunk that Connor McDavid gets there. That's what I was going to say. I think Connor McDavid has a very legit chance. He's got 500 already to be only the second player to have 1,250 assists in his career. I would buy that. If we were yeah. doing a buy or sell, I would buy. And although the one guy who might beat him is Sidney Crosby. He might get there first because Sidney needs 300 more assists, which is, still seems like a lot. But if he plays another five years, which I think he could, and he gets 60 apples a year, then he could do it. Sid but I do think contract that'd be so fascinating to see what that looks like. Here's the thing. Sid's having an underrated season. If that's possible for Sid. <laughs> so I, I did this. So our, our uh, round table question on dailyfaceoff.com this week was we know Connor McDavid is the runaway for the heart trophy. Sure. But who would finish second right now on your ballot? Nick Alberga says Kirill Kaprizov, um, Mike McKenna, says Nikita Kucherov, Stephen Ellis says Jason Robertson. And I'd agree right now that Jason Robertson is the top threat among skaters. I think Connor Hellebuck has probably a pretty strong case in Winnipeg if they make the playoffs. But I Sid would he'd be really high on my ballot. If he remains healthy, of course, but he's on track for one of the best point per game seasons in the last decade for him in his career. And the pens are so clearly reliant on him. Like look at their current six game losing streak. They're Oh, four and two Crosby has one goal, two goals and one assist. And four of those six games, he does not have a point earlier this year when they went Oh, six and one, he was held off the score sheet in four of those seven games. So in their 19 wins this year, Sidney Crosby has 34 points. 34 points in 19 wins. The playoffs, that, that's what that means. The playoffs would be an absolute pipe dream in Pittsburgh without Sid. I truly believe that. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm, I'm going to still say, because they're, don't over, if, if the Buffalo Sabres get in, Tate Thompson's second. So I would agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think that's accurate. But if they don't get in, I don't think it matters. And I don't think they're getting in. Yeah, man. I like how they're rolling right now. They're a fun team to watch. They score a lot of goals, man. Can can their goaltending be consistent enough? That's the thing. And I really like their back end moving forward with power and Darlene. It's going to be uh, uh, very – so that's another thing to watch for is, uh, you know, the next few weeks for the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And also the other thing to watch, Frank, is the Seattle Kraken road trip. It's essentially a nine-gamer. It's a nine-game road trip because there's seven games on the road. They go home to Tampa for one, and then they go back to Edmonton. They started in Edmonton. They end in Edmonton. It's a rare, crazy time. And, they, hey, they've started out really well. They beat the orders, and then they went into Toronto, a, a team that was playing very well, and spanked them. Slapped them. So uh, watch the Seattle Kraken. If they get out of this road trip, Frank, they're making and they the come playoffs. home, and let's say they go 5-4, and four, and they're already 2-0. and oh. Let's say they go 5-4 and four on this trip, 6-3. and three. Might punch their ticket already for the postseason. So. Five and four the rest of the way gets them into the playoffs, by the way, mathematically. Yeah. They only need to play like 518 or 520 hockey to get in. That's that's how many points they've played so many fewer games. Like they've played five fewer games than the Kings. Yeah. Four fewer than than Vegas. Like that that all means something. So um, that's pretty significant. And I would say you're right. Just hold your head above water if you're the Kraken. But in the same token, going two and seven 
these are the only two they win, they're in big trouble. Yes. And I would say from a statistical standpoint, that loss to the Kraken was crippling for the Oilers because they need to win their division games. They've got a lot of division games remaining, and that's how they're going to make hay in this playoff chase, and they've got to win their division games. It might have been the worst 11 minutes a team has played all year. They're 11 oh. minutes stretch in the second period, Frank. Anybody who hasn't, go watch it. They had the game in complete control and then just decided that they were like a, a minor midget team for 11 minutes. It was embarrassing. And it cost so, them the game. 11 minutes. So I'm not, again, I'm not turning the heat up on anyone. Um, and I don't think you can go to this well again. I thought it was really curious to me watching that game, how Jay Woodcroft called a timeout and then things got worse after that. Yeah, well, the coach, uh, um, and he's a pretty calm coach, but uh, he had some choice words for his team in the second intermission. They called the players only meeting the next day, and they came out last night against the Islanders and really controlled that game from start to finish. And now we'll see Edmonton's defensive game. The funny thing was, Frank, in their last four games, they've actually finally figured it out. Their their goals against is way low. It's just they had an 11-minute monumental brain cramp that was brutal effort cramp, whatever you want to call it. Um, I actually have seen signs of in, in their defensive game finally improving. Now, it couldn't get worse, so maybe that's not a, a bold statement. But um, Edmonton, they got that road trip coming up where they, you know, the L.A. game will be big, but, you know, they got the Sharks and the Ducks, and obviously those are two teams you should beat. And then uh, Vegas. So they start with L.A., they end in Vegas. And uh, if they go three-on-one on that trip, then they should be probably pretty happy. My concern with the Oilers from a coaching standpoint is why have all of their young players gone the opposite direction this year? None of their 24 and unders have taken a step. Pulley, RV, Yamamoto, McLeod, Holloway, Bouchard, Broberg. Not good. That's a fair question. Fair question. I, I know really this like- isn't a developmentally. I'm just like, yeah. and again, I'm not, not targeting. Uh, just That really just got me thinking about hey, what kind of impact has the coaching staff had on this team? And I thought of that timeout, and I thought of the young players, and I was like, that's that's a question mark for me. I will and, say, and I think a lot. Not saying that's the fault. There's so many other things to look at. Yeah, Goaltending has been, what would this season look like had this team just gotten average goaltending? Fair question. Yeah, so that Jack Campbell for sure. Although his last three starts, Frank, now it's an improvement. Again, when you're only 876, it's not hard to, to not improve on it, but at least he's finally trending for him, I would think, in the right direction. We'll see if it continues. It's a small well, sample size. You want another thing to watch for? The Toronto Maple Leafs and their goaltending. I pointed this out today. This was the exact day last year that we were talking about Jack Campbell as the Vezina front runner. At this point in the season last year, he had a 9.39 save percentage. Yeah. So a reminder of how quickly things can change and how much time there is left in this season because the Leafs have all of a sudden started to show cracks in their goaltending. You you see the the game from Matt Murray against the Kraken, which just he was frustrated, his body language was bad, and it's small sample size, but he's rung up a bunch of games now in the 800s again. Well, by hey, goaltending, if anybody he's out there. 871 in his last six. Yeah. And people say, oh, small sample size, but he's only played like 13 games this year. So yeah. how small of a sample size is it? Then you look at Samsonov, and all four of his last games are all in the eights. His last four games following the two shutouts that he had against LA and Anaheim, 
four games, 850. All of a sudden, is it, here's the question that I have for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is it that their goaltending is reverting back to what it once was after a hot start or what? Or is there team defense? Right. Was this bad goalies playing well or was this good goalies now playing bad? It's a great question, Frank. It's it's the one question for I would say 20 teams every year. Goaltending is, is kind of a wild card. Yeah. I would say yeah. there are 26 teams that go into every season or 27 teams that go into every season not knowing what they're going to get. <laughs> think about that. Yeah, Here, well, it's so, a hard position, man. So I, I think about this tier of goaltending all the time. Who are the absolute stone cold mortal locks? For me, uh, I'm going to say uh, Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Sorokin. In, in I think he's Island. 100% in that category. Yeah. Um, Shesterkin. Okay, that's three. I would. Uh, I'd still put in Hellebuck. I'd like even Hellebuck him, belongs yeah. in there. Yeah, Hellebuck. Um, Stone Cold. UC Saros probably would be the fifth for me. Uh, you're not. So you're not yet on Ottinger, right? Well, he hasn't. Doesn't have a long enough track record, right? But in his brief time, yes. In the, in the last year and this year, but you know, has he even played 100 NHL games? Uh, I think he has now. Yes. His career is 106. Okay. So I just got over. So yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's knocking the on the door now for two. So yeah, you could, you could say that yet, but to me, you got to at least do it for a few years, but he's, he's knocking on the door. That would totally be fair. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty damn short list, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's man. Gold that is hard. That's it. Like there's no, it's, it is not longer than that. Like yeah. before, like, and I would say the next guy in the next tier down when he was healthy, he was Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Right. For sure. And then you've got guys like, you know, Linus Allmark, Tristan Jari, you know, mm-hmm. what Logan Thompson having really good years. What's it going to become right now? Flurry, I would have put in that list for a long time. He's just getting a little bit older, but yeah, I would. Um, I'd agree. And, and Markstrom, man, like he kind of goes up and down, Frank. So he's not, he, does. he, he really does. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, one guy that I think is really getting close uh, especially with the amount of rubber he sees. Um, and the sample size isn't huge. His career is only 80 games. But Carol Vejmelka is a oh, stud. Yeah. I love yes. Veggie. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, he's on a tough team that uh, he faces a ton of shots. So then people wonder, are his numbers, does he have the John Gibson effect where his numbers are actually better than what they really are because he sees so much rubber that it makes the save percentage go up? See, John Gibson's an interesting one because now he's on a team. When his save percentage was good, the team was better. Now that the team's not good, he hasn't had a very good save percentage. Veg Melka's is on a bad team and his is pretty good. So, yeah. Is John Gibson tradable? God, a few years ago, it looked like everybody would want him at 6.25, but you're right. Uh, Where he is now, I, I wonder how much of that is just you've been around so much losing that you're just beaten down. But I don't know the answer. I don't watch the Ducks often enough to have an informed enough. He has four more years at 6'4". I yeah. say John Gibson is not tradable. And I think Bob Murray and the Ducks missed the boat. That's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. Frank, apologies for being late. Uh, we'll be on time on Monday. Have yourself a good weekend.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.